subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripod Blogs community at tripods.com, Jerry's place for canine amputees and their people. Hello, and thank you for listening. This is the June 2014 episode of Tripod Talk Radio, and our guest today is going to help us learn about the benefits of holistic modalities and integrative treatment for amputee dogs, especially those coping with cancer. Dr. Richard Palmquist, Director of Integrated Health Services at Centennial Animal Hospital, L-O-V-A-Pet.com, in Inglewood, California, is the author of Releasing Your Pet's Hidden Health Potential. His book is a comprehensive guide to utilizing the power of nutrition and holistic treatment to help your pet live a long, healthy life. Dr. Palmquist, thank you for joining us. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Dr. Palmquist. This is Renee here. And um, I apologize, it's Sentinella Clinic, correct? That's correct. Yeah, it's the, actually the name of the street. It's a Spanish word that means sentinel. So we kind of like that because it means we watch over health on that street. It's kind of cool. Aw, yeah, that is neat. That is neat. Well, it, it is a, a pleasure to have you um, as, as one of the groundbreaking doctors on, on holistic care for animals. Um, it's, it's really exciting to have you here. Thank you. And um, just want to get started because 30 minutes flies by really quickly. So um, if you can start by telling us just a little bit about how and why you started focusing on integrative care for animals. Um, tell us what was it like being, being such an early advocate for, for getting out there and spreading the word. Well, you know, it, it, it actually, I came along after the, sort of the second wave. You know, um, for me, I graduated from Colorado State University, and, and I was taught, you know, really high-quality medicine there and taught that we wouldn't be able to know everything that was going on because that medicine would advance faster than we could probably keep track of it. And so we had a lot of time spent in our veterinary career about about finding new things. But when I graduated, I actually was pretty cocky and uh, and thought, hey, you know, I graduated at the top of my class and I got this nifty <laughs> award, you know, from the faculty for being the best veterinary student in small animal medicine. You know, I, I thought wow. it was pretty hot stuff. And and when I <laughs> when I came to California, I would do everything that the textbook said and everything that I learned in school, and I had patients that weren't recovering. And uh, there's a whole series of these little stories that actually gradually moved me because I actually wasn't receptive to alternative medicine at all. I, I thought if it was good, they would have taught it in my veterinary school. So, really? Yeah. So I, I had a – the first year that I was out of veterinary school, I had this little schnauzer that had really bad hepatitis, and I couldn't resolve it, and I talked to the top – um, liver specialist in the United States who's actually a friend of mine at Colorado State University and we did everything we could do and the dog wasn't getting better and then the lady took the dog to this little old dumpy um, practice in town that had this old guy who was an herbalist in it and he prescribed 
some herbs in the dog got better. And I kind of chalked that up to, well, you know, coincidentally it just got better. But in my heart, uh-huh. the truth of that was that something happened that I didn't understand. And frankly, I was a little mad because I wanted to fix the dog and somebody else did. And um, <laughs> I like to say that, that I have really high aspirations, but I, you know, I had a real pride problem in those days. And, and uh, <laughs> I ended up moving into the practice that that I'm in now in, in Inglewood, California, and I had this lady who was just the sweetest woman um, but really believed that, you know, somehow the letters DVM, Doctor of Veterinary Medicine, after her name meant G-O-D, and whatever we said she had to do. And she she moved away from our practice to New York, and a few months after she moved, I heard from a mutual friend and client that she had gotten connected up with this snake oil salesman, holistic veterinarian, and her dog had gotten cancer, and he was charging her a lot of money for vitamins and things. And I, I was really upset. I mean, I seriously couldn't sleep at night um, because wow. someone in my glorious profession was just ripping this woman off. And I mean, it was seriously in my mind like a almost kind of child rape, you know. There's nothing she uh-huh. could do about it if he's telling her that. And so I ended up actually using my investigatory skills that I had developed elsewhere um, to go to, to New York with the intention of doing an investigation on his practice and getting his license revoked. So I called <laughs> wow. him on the phone. Yeah, I called him on the phone, and, and I thought, hey, you know, I'll catch him up. And I, I said, listen, I I hear you cure cancer. And he said, oh, we don't cure cancer. But what we do is we treat patients, and sometimes when we treat patients, their immune system does really remarkable things. And I thought, wow, this guy is really clever. Nobody could bust him for saying that because that's true, right? But I didn't realize that was actually true at the time because I was in this mm-hmm. kind of conventional medicine, evidence-based medicine kind of fixation that it had to be a lie. So I, I went, okay, great. And then I thought, well, I'll ask him if I can visit his practice because he probably won't let me. And I asked him, and he was uh-huh. really open. He said, yeah, sure, you can come out any time. But, you know, if you wait two weeks, um, I'm doing a seminar. You can actually go to the Sunday seminar. That's an eight-hour seminar. Then you'd actually understand more when you get in the clinic what we're doing. So this is great. I said, this guy's going to show me his whole dog and pony show, and I can just go out there and destroy him. So I did. <laughs> I, I failed. <laughs> I failed because when I got there, um, I went to the seminar, and, and the first case that he presented was a, a, a cat with massive brain tumor that was confirmed by um, brain scans at the Animal Medical Center in New York, which is like the mecca of high-tech veterinary medicine. And so here yeah. we have these images of the brain, and then he treats the dog with this stuff, and or the cat, rather, with the stuff. And then, then there's serial pictures of the brain tumor getting smaller and smaller. And that's just freaking not possible in, in my mind at the time. This can happen, mm-hmm. you know. And they present a case after case after case. And some funny stuff happened that we don't have time to talk about. But anyways, I ended up spending the week in his practice, and, and literally on the first day that I was in the practice, they brought in this paralyzed German Shepherd that had been seen by Dr. De La Hunta, who's the top neurologist in the world, the guy who wrote the textbook that I studied when I was in veterinary school. Wow. And he was—he had declared this dog as, as not, you know, walkable and, and not fixable. And the guys who owned the dog were the chair of this big oil company, uh, board of directors kind of thing, just really wealthy people. They had all the options in the world, but the dog was paralyzed. And so the uh-huh. doctor proceeded to talk to me about acupuncture and stick some needles in this dog. And in a few minutes, actually took the needles out, and the dog stood up and walked over to the owner, put his head in the dog's in the owner's lap. And I fainted. oh my gosh, <laughs> I literally fainted. And uh, you know, when I came back to consciousness, I had a different view of alternative medicine than I had before. 
I spent the week with him, and at, at the end, I thought, you know, I have this thing about the truth, so I have to tell him that I actually came out here to get his license revoked. And I thought, oh my God, <laughs> he's, he's going to hate my guts. And so he's sitting on one side of the exam table eating his macrobiotic potato, and I'm on the other side slurping down this greasy cheeseburger. And I said, listen, there's something I got to tell you. I, I, I actually, I really, I really, um, I need to tell you this. I, I actually had come out to get your license revoked, and I thought he'd, you know turn white, cross his arms, and sit back and kind of tell me to get the hell out of his practice. And instead he leaned uh-huh. forward and his little glint came up in his eye and he said, so, Ricky boy, um, what do you think now? <laughs> and I just laughed and I said, you got to get the Nobel Prize. And he said, so what's your problem? And I said, and he said, then he got real serious and he looked at me and he said, you know what I think about you? He said, oh, God, here it goes. And he said, you, you stopped your practice. You flew out to, to from Los Angeles to New York because – you were worried I was abusing one of your patients. I think you're one of the nicest guys I've ever met. So he and I have been like best friends for a long time. His, his name is Marty Goldstein. He practices uh. in a really well-known alternative practice. He's written a, an amazing book. takes care of like so many celebrities. It's not even funny on the New York side. So um, And then eventually he and his brother, uh, eventually his brother and I wrote a textbook with some other holistic veterinarians called Integrating Complementary Medicine and Veterinary Practice. I became the president of the AHVMA and now I'm president of the AHVMF. And it's so strange how these little circles all went, but that's how I got into alternative medicine. Wow. <laughs> oh, man, what a story. There's there's a lot of us who are familiar with, with Dr. Goldstein. He um, He wrote the book, The Nature of Animal Healing, correct? Yeah, awesome book. He wrote that book in like two days. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I received a copy from his office and was blown away. When I saw that it was written, it was published in 1999, I said, oh, my gosh, why haven't more vets been reading this book and, and studying him like you did? I mean, oh, my gosh, this could change everything. So it's so cool that, that he's, he's, he's one of the true he's one of the true pioneers in integrative medicine. I mean, yeah, you know, and his story is hysterical. I mean, he went to his rheumatologist for arthritis at like age thirty, and he asked his rheumatologist. He said, you know, how come I got arthritis? And he said, because you're getting old. And he was driving away from the clinic after he got a cortisone shot for his arthritis, and he went. It doesn't make any sense. Why is my left shoulder getting old and my right shoulder is not getting old? And so he he asked this question and then started to seek an answer. And his brother's wife was an alternative, um, a a person who's interested in alternative medicine. And she actually started um, this whole process with them, um, with he and his brother. And he ended up getting his arthritis naturally. His arthritis got better. That happened to me as well. And and that actually opened him up to the whole field. And, you know, he became one of the original um, alternative practitioners in the United States. So, you know, I consider mm-hmm. like Marty Goldstein and Alan Schoen and Cheryl Schwartz, who wrote um, Four Paws uh, Five Directions, or what is yeah. Four Paws Five Directions, you know, uh, and Carvel Teeker, uh, those kind of people I consider actually be pioneers because they were there doing it when nobody else did anything about it and everybody was throwing rocks at them. You know, I kind of came along at an easier time, you know, and so I just, I'm just here doing what I'm doing. Uh, well, I think that is awesome, and I, I I I wish more people had access to excellent doctors like you. Um, I, I'd love to to jump into our next section here about um, tell me about integrative care and and how it it can benefit our animals. Um, as you know, um, a lot of our our members at Tripods 
are dealing with cancer in one form or another. But in general, um, how can integrative care help in animals' overall health before they even get diagnosed with something as, as awful as cancer? Well, you know, you have to understand that there's different levels of practice, right? And, and this isn't necessarily better or worse, and I think it's really important that we don't look at it from that standpoint. But medicine is a lot like an umbrella, and each section of the umbrella, each part of the umbrella is necessary if you're going to use it to protect you from the sun or the rain, right? If you mm-hmm. have an umbrella that's missing sections, you know, it's going to leak. It's not going to do its job. And so medicine is this really over large kind of thing. We, we're supposed to, in veterinary medicine, take care of every little animal, every little disease, every little nutritional item. We're supposed to know all that, and we don't, right? So our mm-hmm. umbrella is imperfect. It's missing sections. And some sections have more study. They've been looked at in more in more depth. You know, for instance, pharmaceutical medicine's got a lot of science because pharmaceutical companies have a lot of money to spend money on doing studies. But other kinds of medicine, that things that can't be patented and people can't make huge profits on, um, those right. fields of medicine don't generate the dollars to do research. So if we talk about these words, holistic medicine, holistic means whole, means looking at the whole um, patient and how it relates to the environment and how the parts of the patient relate to the other parts of the patient, that's what holistic means. And an approach, a holistic mm-hmm. approach is actually balancing all those parts. But this word integrative medicine was actually created, and it's not the same as holistic. Um, and if you talk okay. to Andrew Weil, who's one of the people who created the term, you know, what, we, what we're talking about in integrative medicine is, is uh, that there's actually research and some science which seems feasible behind a particular treatment. So that we, when we say um, we have all these treatments that we're offering in conventional medicine, and we have this other group of therapies that haven't been researched and we don't understand as well, you might say like a treatment like Reiki, you know, where you ask somebody how Reiki works. So, well, the, mm-hmm. you know, this light energy and it's this, it's that. It's harder to uh, it's harder to kind of prove that. So that is a holistic therapy, but it's a difficult thing to call it an integrative therapy right now, although it's not mm-hmm. harmful unless you use Reiki and, and delay a therapy that you need. You know, the patient who needs to take some particular treatment and say, well, I'm going to do Reiki for six months while the cancer advances, that's not good, right? So right. integrative medicine means we've got some research. There's some research, and there's some scientific feasibility for a subject, and then that becomes included into the kind of the toolbox of the veterinarian who's practicing integrative medicine. So okay. we really work hard to use these words to describe what they are. A lot of people use integrative and holistic interchangeably, but technically that's not correct, you know. We have to do the mm-hmm. research before we can prove them, and then once they're proven, they become part of medicine. So. And once they're proven, of course, a, a regular uh, veterinarian would feel a lot more comfortable using it, I, I assume. Right. And research is really essential to advanced therapies. And, and, for instance, the herb that was used to treat that dog that I told you about, that schnauzer that had hepatitis uh-huh. at the beginning of the show, the herb that was used to treat that dog was milk thistle. Milk thistle had been used to treat hepatitis patients for thousands of years, right? But mm-hmm. there was no research at the time. And the veterinarian that I called to ask about it was Dr. David Tweed at Colorado State University. And he said, there's no evidence for it. There's no evidence. It's just, you know, anecdotal, uh, that's it. And very properly right. so, he said that. But the fact of the matter was that people had used it to treat that disease for a long time, but there was no formal research. Later, Dr. Tweed actually did research on milk thistle and proved that it worked. And now he's an advocate of its use, 
and you know practically every veterinarian in the United States prescribes uh, a refined sort of drug version of milk thistle, which is called denimerin. And and so now milk thistle is considered to be a treatment for liver disease. And while Dr. Dr. Goldstein was recommending vitamin E for treating liver disease all the way back in the 90s, right, it was much later before the research was done that showed, hey, it is beneficial for treating hepatitis. But vitamin mm-hmm. E isn't good for everything, and you have to be careful how you use it. And so in integrative medicine, we're doing that research to learn what's the right application for this, and is it really true that it does that? And so there's this cooperation between the holistic circle where people have tried things and think they work, and the research side, which moves it from kind of holistic and complementary and alternative medicine into the integrated phase. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And that um, that kind of leads me to a question I was going to get into later, but um, you, we might as well do this now. Um, this leads into the the work that you're doing with the uh, the AHVMF, correct? Um, can you tell yeah, me a little bit more about, about that? Well, I'm the president of the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Foundation, and I'm also the national research chair there. And mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're actually raising funds to do the actual research that advances holistic medicine from the the realm of some people tried it and say it works to the realm of it's been looked at and we know that it does work and this is the proper way to use it and this is the improper way to use it. And then once we have that information, the deans of veterinary school are actually very anxious to teach this stuff. They just need an evidence base before they can expose students to it. So in essence, the HVMS is is in existence to help that process. And since there's not, you know, billions of dollars from the pharmaceutical companies to develop alternative agents, although they're spending huge amounts of money researching them, um, but they want to develop into a, a patented form, you know. Right. That the money that we're raising is actually public money. So people donate to us um, in our signature program, which is called One in a Million People Donate a Dollar a Month, which is $12 a year for those quick mm-hmm. math maps people out there. And if we can get a million people donating $12 a year, we have a $12 million budget. We can do some really serious research. We've, as of today, wow. raised about $1.1 million, um, in three years. We did a half million uh-huh. in grants um, last year. We're doing a study that would be interested to your people um, for osteosarcoma and so many limited really? patients from that particular disease, looking at a particular therapy called the Banerjee Protocol that comes from India which has been looked at by the federal government and found to have a basis um, that's worthy of more research. And it's basically a homeopathic approach to bone cancer. <clears throat> and wow. there's really well-documented case reports of people going into remission with osteosarcoma and this therapy. Now, personally, I've used it in my practice, and I haven't seen it work as well as some people think. Um, and so we're doing this study, actually, to see how it works in conjunction with conventional chemotherapy. And I can tell mm-hmm. you, like, a, a case example we have, a little uh, dog named uh, Louie, and Louie's mom is a big supporter of the foundation because she originally came to us with a diagnosis of osteosarcoma in the Great Pyrenees dog. And you know how bad that disease is for those big dogs. He couldn't walk. He was in a lot of pain. And it's a funny story because the veterinarian that was involved actually followed her to the car when she found out that she was going to an alternative practice for a second opinion and begged her not to bring the dog to a quack, right? And and I don't get upset about that because I I know where that comes from. And so, anyways, we had a nice conversation. I told her that there was really advanced cancer. I didn't think there was much we could do. And I talked to her about limb amputation, and she didn't want to do the amputation. So we actually treated this dog with a balanced individual protocol of herbs and nutrition um, and homeopathy. And the dog's pain level went away in about 72 hours. 
and oh I believe was able to run and play and have a good time for about, gosh, I can't remember now. I can't remember if it was two months or four months. I mean, he just had, he just felt great. He was running around. He didn't limp on his leg anymore. The tumor was there, and we knew it was a problem. But he mm-hmm. felt good, and that was quality of life was the whole decision that they had based their therapy on. Then it sure. started to be painful, and we couldn't get it under control, either with conventional drugs or with other stuff. So we went ahead and did the amputation. And I, I had her go back to the original veterinarian for the amputation, who was, who was amazed. They couldn't believe the dog was still alive. So they did the amputation, and it was a cute story because the veterinarian came out after surgery and, and told the owner, she said, you take him back to that mad scientist right away. And we treated Louie. He actually lived 14 months um, oh from the gosh. day that he was brought to us with a diagnosis of time to euthanize. You know, so 14 months after he was told he had a euthanized dog that he lived. So, and Louie's great. He, he, <laughs> there's pictures of him up on our Facebook page. Um, you know, he had a he was the first actually front leg wheelchair uh, cart dog that I ever had, and he had two wheels on the front, and uh, he would he would go downhill and lift up his back legs and make the arm <laughs> run down. He was he was an amazing. Um, so that's how we use that. that's how we put it together. That's, I would love to learn more about this guy. Tell us what your Facebook page is. What's it called? On the Facebook page for the foundation. Is AHVMF, American Holistic Veterinary Medical Foundation, AHVMF. And the website's AHVMF.org. Louis' story's up on uh, AHVMF.org, I think. I can't remember his whole story's up or just his picture. I, I know his picture's up in the, in the um, animal teacher section. The, okay. the website has some interesting things. There's a, a section, it's just pictures with one or two sentences about what animals have taught people. That's called Animal mm-hmm. Pictures. So it's a picture with a little short message. There's another group on the website that's called Animal Teachers, excuse me, called Inspiring Stories. Got it right. And the Inspiring Stories is actually a little bit more detail about what happened. Like this dog was paralyzed and it was treated too often. Those kinds of stories. So, and if people have those okay. where they've used alternative medicine, we want those. So, you know, listeners that have a cool story that they want to tell, we'd love to have those to put them on the website. We just need to verify with the veterinarian that they're true. I will definitely um, put these links up in our forums and let people know that they can share their stories with you because we have had quite a few success stories there. Um, so I, I know you'll be hearing from, from some of our members. Um, this is great. So for $12 a year, people can support the organization and know that they're contributing towards studies that will further this research so that someday they can go to a regular veterinarian and, and the vet won't look at them like they're like they're a total quack and, and say, Yeah, maybe we can pursue this this other kind of treatment. And, and we've just we we just missed uh, the timing on this because in April we had uh, the fundraiser for the, the the spring fundraiser for the foundation. We have this awesome person who donates two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and she matches people's donations wow. two dollars from her fund for every one dollar they donate. So we do oh, that really? every spring. So for people who are okay. interested, you know, you want to donate, you know, $100 or $10, $20, whatever, you know, um, whatever you donate gets tripled. So it's like the craziest investment that you could ever make. Um, and yeah. we are still funding the osteosarcoma study because it's a, about a $100,000 study. And it started. It's actually in progress right now. Um, but that there's going to be another $30,000 payment that we need to make to the researchers fairly soon. So if people want to donate to the osteosarcoma study, they just go on to our website at ahvmf.org, 
click on the mm-hmm. donate button, and then when they fill out their donation form, just write osteosarcoma study, and then all the money will go straight to that. Okay. Okay. Terrific. We'll be we'll be putting all of these resources down in in tripods. Thank you for that. We definitely support this. Um, you know, I, I just uh, I did have a, a few questions here about um, uh, about taking this approach when when a, a member's dog or, or cat is is facing cancer, and um, just uh, if if they were to go to a, a doctor like you, um, can you tell me? What, how do you begin to to help their quality of, of life improve? Um, what are what are some of the approaches that you take? I mean, they don't have to be you don't have to tell specific ones because they know everybody's different. But if someone were to arrive in your office as a, a first timer, what are some of the things that you would do to help them start to to deal with the situation? Well, you know, this, this whole process kind of starts with love and moves into seeking Aww. truth. And then, so we actually talk about the circle in my practice. You know, imagine a circle, and you put love and truth in there, and then you put your dog in the middle of it, and then we start looking to see what we can do to help with their individual issues. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's three basic pillars, you know, to, to, to build on there. So, you know, we have one pillar, which is actually treating symptoms. You know, if you've got a dog that's in pain, you have to do something to relieve that pain, even if the medication mm-hmm. is harmful. To the patient, if they're in such agonizing pain, you're not going to be able to do anything to get them down the road. Then we have the, the pillar, which is detoxification and drainage. Almost all illnesses, the reason that the, the illness is there is that there's an imbalance in the, tox, in, the, in the toxin level in the local tissue and the ability of the body to remove or address those toxins. And that is actually a lot of what pain is, is actually accumulation of these toxic substances and irritation on nerve endings. And you have to be able to get them out of there. So detoxification is what happens to the liver and the skin and the lungs where these chemicals are are removed from being toxic or made less mm-hmm. toxic. And drainage is the process of actually moving them from one part of the body to another. And that's really critical. That pillar is really critical. And you have to do it at the right speed because if a patient's weak and you start detoxifying, you can actually clear so many toxins out of the tissue that the liver gets overwhelmed and they have trouble. So this all has to be okay. balanced and individualized. So the first pillar is symptom treatment. The second is detoxification and drainage. And the third is cell, organ, and tissue support. And, you know, we can do really interesting things with alternative medicine. For instance, do you know what mitochondria are? They're the part of the cell that makes energy. Yeah. So if you're sick, you feel tired, a lot of times you have a mitochondrial component of your disease. The mitochondria aren't working as well. A lot of the drugs that we use actually damage the mitochondria. But it's interesting because a lot of alternative therapies actually help them do their job better antioxidant vitamins, proper nutrition, um, herbs that actually protect the mitochondria. And even we have a study now that shows that some homeopathics may affect the mitochondria. And, you know, when we do alternative therapy, one of the first things that people say is, hey, my, my dog seems to feel better, and actually it may be that effect on the mitochondria. So th- those are the three pillars. So we start with truth and love, put the dog in there, then we start to work on that individual patient's um, three pillars. And we kind of go from week to week to walk down that line and see what we can do to help them with that. Nutrition's a huge part. You know, nutrition's where the raw materials come from. And if you look at this food as medicine movement, if you get the right food in there, then it's it's making it easier for the body to do its work. Wrong food makes it harder. If a patient's really mm-hmm. sick with cancer, you know, we have to we have to we have to give them food that they can eat and assimilate. So that's all. 
Sorry, I hope my dog's not coming through, but he's decided the squirrel in the backyard must be good salt. Uh-huh. Can you hear that barking? <laughs> um, I, I, no, uh-uh. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> um, when it comes to the food part, how uh, how do you change their diet without overwhelming them? And, you know, we see a lot of dogs with... Uh, People who change their diet all of a sudden, and the dog has all these gastrointestinal issues. And yeah, you can't um, do that. Yeah, you just can't uh-huh. do that. You have to start with what they're eating, and then make these gradual changes. Um, and I, I see that a lot. And I see it with mm-hmm. people who are raw food advocates who, who are trying to force a dog whose immune system is not in good shape to eat raw food. And I see it mm-hmm. with patients who, who are on just crappy commercial diets that, that then people go like, oh, let's just transition to the raw, you know. And, Oh my God! You know, right. the dogs got pancreatitis, and they're in the hospital. It's a big mess. And I'm so glad you raised that. We also see a lot of really sick dogs when people try and transition mm-hmm. them to barf because it takes a lot of, of energy to digest that kind of diet. And if their gut's mm-hmm. not in good shape, you can't do it. And most chronically ill patients have digestion problems. That's actually one of the first things uh-huh. to start working with the gut and with the liver. You know, that's the center of the body. You know, that tube that runs right through the middle of your body. And if it's not mm-hmm. working right, 80% of the immune system wraps around the intestine. So if your gut's not happy, you're not absorbing food, you're not absorbing supplements, you're not you're not digesting things properly, and your immune system is all out of whack. And, you know, wow. nothing's going to work until you fix that. Ah, oh, that is so enlightening. Thank you for that because it's a big issue. Um, we We talk about that a lot at tripods and I, I do apologize. I could talk to you for an hour but we only have thirty minutes here and I just want to thank you so much for, for all of this great information and I hope we get to talk to you real soon in the future. No, thanks for having me. It's been great. Yeah, likewise. And and everybody um watch our, our forums. We'll be putting up links to all of the work that Dr. Palmquist is doing at the AHBMF and how you can help them uh with their studies. Thank you so much, Doctor. Hope you have a great day. Thanks, sir. Take care. You too. Yes, Dr. Palmquist. Thank you for your time yeah. and insight. Listeners can learn more about your work as president of the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Foundation at ahvmf.org and find details about your book at amazon.tripods.com. Until next time, hear all Tripod Talk radio podcasts and downloads at downloads.tripods.com and discuss holistic care for three-legged dogs and cats at tripods.com slash forums. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts and claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.